Well, once again, it's it's a wonderful thing to be home from our trip, and I'm thankful for Mike filling in for me last Wednesday night. And uh, we're going to be in the book of Zechariah tonight. I uh, I had the privilege of spending quite a bit of time in my room on that boat and wondering what we were going to say about the 14th chapter of the book of Zechariah. Uh, so often, if we're not careful, we are tipped off in the wrong direction by the headings in most of our Bibles. Because most of those who are printing our Bibles have the idea that most of this stuff is about future things for Israel. And... Uh, it struck me as I was reading through this book of Zechariah that Zechariah, like any book of the Bible, if necessary, could stand alone. Obadiah could stand alone, one chapter, and the books of the New Testament. But I'm particularly interested in the Old Testament in that statement. The gospel is in every book of the Old Testament. And if necessary, they could stand alone. And so when I was looking at the book of Zechariah, how would I look at the book of Zechariah if that is all I had? How would I interpret? And it reminded me of Brother Lance being here some time ago and brought several messages from the book of Colossians and only used the book of Colossians as text verses. I'd never seen that. But he did it, and he did it so well. So there's, as we look at the book of Zechariah, tonight I want to look at the book of Zechariah and its context of how it would interpret itself. And we would never get some of the interpretations that commentaries have if we looked at it from that standpoint, as we look at it interpreting itself. Now, there is a phrase that is used 20 times in the book of Zechariah. Seven times in the last chapter, and 13 times in the previous 13 chapters. And that phrase is, in that day. In that day. Now before we read this, the verses in the book of Zechariah that have to do with in that day, turn with me to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah. It was interesting, after studying this, that on Sunday, and I get out here and I turn on uh, Gary Shepherd, and he is in the book of Zechariah, and he read these verses, and I says, well, that's a confirmation. <laughs> the book of Isaiah, chapter 19, the book of Isaiah, chapter 19, and it shares with us, Isaiah also was led of the Holy Spirit to write in this figurative language about in that day. In that day. Now there's a lot of surmising by people about that day, but I believe Isaiah, standing alone, could interpret itself by using that, and certainly we are going to the book of Zechariah in a few moments. But in Isaiah chapter 19, verse 23 and verse 24, (coughs) In that day shall there be a highway out of Egypt to Assyria, and the Assyrian shall come into Egypt, and the Egyptian into Assyria, and the Egyptian shall serve the Assyrians. In that day shall Israel be the third with Egypt and with Assyria, even a blessing in the midst of the land. Now, 
figurative language talking about those who are not Israel and those who are Israel, it shares with us in verse uh, 24 that Israel is even a blessing in the midst of the land. So the church is a blessing in the midst of the land. I'm going to look at Israel in most of these verses of Scripture, not from a, from a physical or a national context, but from a church context. Because that's how the Lord used it in the New Testament, and that's how the other writers did. All right, in the book of Isaiah chapter 22, you turn with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 22, and in this passage of Scripture, verse 25, we have that same phrase used, and it says, Isaiah chapter 22 and verse 25, In that day, saith the Lord of hosts, shall the nail that is fastened in the sure place be removed and be cut down and fall, and the burden that was upon it shall be cut off, for the Lord has spoken it. So there is a nail in a sure place. But what happened to that? Well, he went to the cross. The Lord went to the cross. All right? And then in the book of Isaiah chapter 27, Isaiah chapter 27, we find the same phrase, and it's jumping off point here in just a moment, to our passages in the book of Zechariah. And it shall come to pass in that day that the great trumpet shall be blown, and they shall come which were ready to perish in the land of Assyria and the outcasts of the land of Egypt and shall worship the Lord in the holy mount at Jerusalem. So here the gospel trumpet. This is what we're going to find out throughout the book of Isaiah, through all the Old Testament books, and through the New Testament books, that God's people are going to be brought to Jerusalem, to Zion, to Christ. And this trumpet sounds, it's blown, there should be those that are ready to perish are going to come and worship the Lord in the holy mount at Jerusalem. Well, what if that's Mount Moriah or Mount of Olives? (laughs) There's where the Lord was in his day. He was on both of those. All right, and chapter 28 Chapter 28 of the book of Isaiah and verse 5. Chapter 28, verse 5, we have these words. In that day shall the Lord of hosts be for a crown of glory and for a diadem of beauty unto the residue of his people. Well, the church, the remnant, according to the election of grace, has a great appreciation for this royal diadem of beauty, the Lord. And then one other verse over here, and that's in the next chapter, chapter 29 of the book of Isaiah, chapter 29 and verse 18. Chapter 29. What a wonderful verse this is. Now what is this? This is the gospel day. This is the day the gospel is brought to the elect. This is the day, and this day is, has happened. It has happened since the day that... that uh, Uh, Abel heard the gospel until this very day. The gospel day has been in every generation, in every day. Here in the book of Isaiah 29, 18, In that day shall the deaf hear the words of the book, and the eyes of the blind shall see see out of obscurity and out of darkness. And the meek also shall increase their joy in the Lord, and the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel." So what a statement we have here with regard to the gospel day in that day. There is no definite day except that day that the gospel came to his people. And so let's turn over to the book of Zechariah and read 20 verses out of this book of Zechariah that have to do with the Lord and the gospel. And 
if we look at this book alone, if we just had this book, and that's all we had, and the rest had been destroyed, taken from us, whatever, can we just imagine that for tonight? <laughs> this is all we have. This book of Zechariah. Chapter 14 has been a chapter that has been put into an obscure place by so many commentaries because they look at it as end times. But if we look at the book of Zechariah as a standalone book and see what that day means in other places, well, we find one verse that we relish in, in that day there shall be a fountain opened. Now that's the gospel day when God reveals his son to us. All right. In the book of Zechariah, in the uh, verses that we're going to look at prior to chapter 14, we're going to, I, I had it out of order. I was going to look at chapter 14 first and then come back to the rest, but we're going to start in chapter 2 of the book of Zechariah. Standalone book. Let's see what it has to say about all of this that the Lord has for us in this glorious book of Zechariah. And we're going to use this phrase, in that day. We could spend the entire night in Isaiah and in Jeremiah. In that day, in that day, in that day. And it's not a far off day. It, it, it may be for the last one that's going to be saved. We don't know. But for me, it is a day that the gospel came to me. And all of these issues that we have that are brought up here about the Lord and about his salvation and about who he's saving, it's that day when that gospel come and struck the chord. And in the book of Jeremiah, excuse me, Zechariah chapter 2 verse 11, it says, And many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day. And shall be my people, and I will dwell in the midst of thee, and thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto thee. Many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day. Out of every kindred, nation, people, and tongue, we have God's elect have been scattered. Now they were scattered after the flood. They were scattered at the at the uh, in the days of Peleg was the earth divided. What you have to think about that, or what you don't have to think about that, but in some way, people have been scattered all over this world, and there's so many different languages. When Brother Lance was here, he shared with us that in that island, there are about as many different languages as we're going to find in most parts of the world. They can't understand each other on the other side of a mountain range. Well, multiply that times a thousand, and we have somewhat of what we have in the world now it's interesting if you go to germany you're going to find people that speak french and german and austrian and several other languages they have to to survive but here if we know two we're bilingual <laughs> all right so many nations all right that's the first one this is that day and that day shall my be my people all right chapter three of the book of zechariah Chapter 3 of the book of Zechariah, verse 10. Again, we have this word that we're looking at, this phrase. In that day, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, we don't have to be reminded of what the Lord of hosts means. That is the absolute, almighty, sovereign Lord. All right? Shall, shall ye call every man his neighbor under the vine and under the fig tree? Now, Sunday, we're going to be looking at that man who picked up sticks on the Sabbath day. He just could not rest. He's supposed to be in his tent, and he just cannot rest. 
Well, it's a picture of people not being able to rest in the finished work of Christ, and they're going to have to add things to it. And the punishment is brought out there in the book of the book of Numbers. Well, when we look over there in the in the days of Solomon, every person was resting under their vine and under their fig tree all the days of Solomon. What does that mean? It was a picture that Solomon was a picture of Christ and the church rests in Christ, the finished work of Christ. We're not trying to establish anything else. All we have a pleasure in doing is serving this God, serving the Lord. It's a miracle of grace that when God saves us, we agree with Him. We're not in conflict with Him. Natural man is in conflict with Him. But He teaches everyone that He's going to call, and He calls those that belong to Him from the foundation of the world, and He teaches them, and He teaches them all the same thing. I am God, and beside me there is none else, and salvation is of the Lord. Well, under those two headings, we find that everything else falls. So... I'm at rest. In that day, I shall be at rest. In that day, shall ye call every man his neighbor under the vine and under the fig tree, resting. At rest in Christ, in that day. Now, never before that did we ever have what the Lord gave us in that salvation. We're not at rest. We're like a troubled sea tossed to and fro. We're just... We're looking, 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 but never satisfied until that day, and then we are at rest. Chapter 8, chapter 8, verse 23 of the book of Zechariah. In that day, once again, we find the commentary on the book of Zechariah is the book of Zechariah. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Zechariah chapter 8, verse 23, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, in those days it shall come to pass that ten men shall take hold out of all the languages of the nations, even shall they take hold of the skirt of him that is a Jew. Now, wh- who is that? <laughs> that is the Lord of glory. That's the Lord of hosts saying, We will go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. What a quickened mind, what a quickened heart, what a quickened eyes, what quickened ears, that they lay hold of this one. I'm reminded of that woman in the whole crowd. I mean, it is a, the disciples said, what are you talking about? Someone touched you. Look at this crowd. Hundreds could have touched you. Well, he knew one had touched the hem of his garment. Why? She knew because of faith, because faith given to her that this is him that could do something for her. So we're going to lay hold of the Jew, this one Jew the Lord Jesus Christ. All right? And then as we go down into the next one, in chapter 9, chapter 9 of the book of Zechariah, verse 16, it says, For the Lord their God shall save them in that day. I love it. The Lord their God shall save them in that day as the flock of his people, for they shall be as stones of a crown, lifted up as an ensign upon his land. The the Lord their God shall save them in that day as a flock. He said, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep, 
and my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Well, this is absolutely the truth. And in that day, that gospel day, that day when the gospel is brought to us, brought to our attention, brought to us, and, and it's not whether we're going to accept it or not, because we don't have the grace given to us in our nature, in our natural birth, to do anything with the grace of God. God grant, gives it, grants it to us, and blesses us with it. So this day, all right, that is chapter 9. Let's go to chapter 11 of the book of Zechariah. As we look at this phrase, how are we going to interpret the 14th chapter? Well, we're going to interpret it as the previous chapters have interpreted. This is the day of the Lord. This is the gospel day when he brings us the gospel, when he quickens us by his power. <clears throat> I was handed a track the other day, and he said, this is a good track. I, I could hand this track out. Well, I thought, from the person who gave it to me, I thought, maybe it is. Maybe it is. You don't get the new birth from this guy writing this track. You don't get the new birth until you ask Jesus into your heart. I said, what a garbage can of a track. It's just like all the other tracks. That's not a track. That's a lie. So the gospel is much greater than that. Gospel overcomes us. The gospel is for our benefit. All right, here in the book of, of uh, Zechariah chapter 11, verse 10 and 11. Zechariah chapter 11, verse 20. And I took my staff, even beauty, and I cut it asunder, that I might break my covenant, that covenant which I had made with all the people, and it was broken in that day. When did the covenant of works get broken? When the covenant of grace is imposed. We think we're in a covenant of works. So the poor of the flock that waited upon me knew that this was the word of the Lord in that day. All right. Now, chapter 12, there are five places that this word is used. So turn to chapter 12, if you would. Chapter 12 of the book of Zechariah, as we look at this phrase, in that day. Now, here in Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 3 is the first time that it's used. In that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone. That, on that, in that day I will make Jerusalem a, an immovable rock, is what another translation has. An immovable rock. All the nations will gather against it to move it, but they will only hurt themselves. You know something about the church? It is foundations on a stone. And it's not going to move. Even though it is imposed upon by every religion, if, if you'll change on this, we can work together. If you'll change on this, we can work together. I'm so thankful. I hadn't been here a year, I don't think. And someone said that they would become part of our church if we would change the elements of the Lord's Supper. And being green, I called my friend. And I says, what do you think? And he says, well, it really doesn't matter to me, but... What are we going to do next time someone wants to change something? And I said, you are right. Well, guess what? They didn't come. And then the guy gets his ear bit off in a drunken brawl where he's in a, in a bar. <laughs> well, we can't change. The church isn't going to change. Now, if... If we change, the church still doesn't change. 
The truth of the gospel does not change. It never changes. It, does, it can't change. It's, it's as secure as God. Churches may change and say, we're going to go in another route here. The church I grew up in, if you looked at what they were established on, you'd say, I could go there. I believe that. But now, today, it's changed to the degree that it's, it's swill. You can't go there. Can't abide it. So churches may change, but the truth will never change. Jerusalem will never change. The true church will never change because Christ is going to hold it on the rock. All right? And in that chapter also it says in verse 4, In that day, saith the Lord, I will smite every horse with astonishment and his rider with madness. Now these are those who are going to come up against Jerusalem. And that says there... uh, uh, on that day, says the Lord, I'll cause every horse to panic and every rider to lose his nerve. The Lord is faithful. The Lord is gracious. What would happen if everybody that intended to do harm to the church was permitted to do so? Thanks be unto God. Thanks be unto God. He withstood some of the greatest Worldly kings that ever were. Caesar. Paul is permitted to preach in Caesar's household and certain of Caesar's household hear the gospel because they are the elect of God. You know, I, I don't know what Caesar thought about it, but Caesar's household members thought it was pretty good. So the, the grace of God. All right. And then in that chapter, in verse 6 of the 12th chapter, in that day I'll make the governors of Judah like a hearth of fire among the wood and like a torch of fire in the sheaf on that day i'll make the the clans of judah like a flame that sets a wood pile ablaze and like a burning torch among sheaves of grain you know it doesn't look like much is going to get done but when the lord has his gospel going out through his churches it things are going to happen it may look like a little blaze but to those that hear the word it is the blaze of almighty god And in that same chapter in verse 8, that day saith the Lord, the defendants of Jerusalem, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and he that is feeble among them at that day shall be as David. The people that didn't have any backbone are going to be given backbone in that day, that gospel day. They'll be able to say to their families, I can't go there anymore. They'll be able to say to their families, I don't believe that anymore. And they may take a tongue lashing, but they will have a backbone that will stand and say, I can't do it anymore. Glorious day. It's a glorious day. And then in that same chapter, verse 9, it says, And it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. Now there's a day coming that all those who oppose the gospel are going to be dealt with. But also, you know, people who, uh, people who say, you're not going to fall for that, are you? People whose family or, or people in the church where we're going, you're not going to go along with that, are you? God's going to deal with them. And God's people are going to come out even though they are hindered to come out. God will deal with them. All right. And then three verses in chapter 13 of this book of Zechariah, and then we'll get into chapter 14. Chapter 13, verse 1. 
The Gospel of Zechariah says, In that day there shall be a fountain open to the house of David. Now, when do we, that fountain's been opened. There's a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. That fountain's been open and open and open. But when do we know that? When it's revealed to us in the preaching of the Gospel, the Holy Spirit gives us the new birth, and then we realize what it was that cleansed us. It was not our tears, it was not our efforts, but it is the blood of Christ. And, verse 2, And it shall come to, pass, come to pass in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will cut off the names of the idols out of the land. What does the Lord do for us? He says, those are no value anymore. People, people have asked me, do you believe that this certain group can be saved? And I said, yes, but they're not going to stay there. God's going to take away those idols. God's going to give them grace, going to give them Christ, and they'll worship Him. He becomes their object of worship. They'll no longer be satisfied with that stuff. All right? He will cut off. In that day, He'll cut off the idols. We will have one idol, and that's the Lord. He is our object of worship. And then it says in verse 13, verse 4, And it shall come to pass in that day that the prophet shall be ashamed, every one of his vision. When he hath prophesied, neither shall they wear a rough garment to deceive. What happens to those words that we said, God loves everybody? Well, that's not according to the word anymore. I can't go along with that anymore. Can't go along. You know what God said about the matter? He says, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. And you know what the worldly church has been saying ever since then? God loves everybody. God loves everybody and God loves everybody. Absolutely an untruth. God loves Jacob's. He never intended to die for the Esau's. And therefore, they will meet his wrath. Alright. Now, chapter 14. Chapter 14 begins, this phrase is used in, just keep in mind, all the gospel message in this, in that day. In that day, in that day, in that day, that Zechariah has been bringing up. Here in the book of Zechariah chapter 14, we run into verse 4, the first time. And his feet shall stand in that day upon Mount of Olives. You know what happens when he comes down, when he comes? He is going to make a split between us. There is going to be a division made. This is not something that's going to happen literally to the Mount of Olives. This is what God does. Jesus Christ produces division. I came not to bring peace, but division. Mother against son and all. You know that, that verse of scripture? There is division brought. When we stand for the truth of the gospel, there is division brought. Now, it's not us that wants to create the division. It's always, I can't go for that. Well, I understand that. I understand that completely. You cannot go for that. But I have to go for that. All right? In that day, his feet shall stand, and his feet are precious. His feet are glorious. His feet are wonderful. How beautiful are the feet of him who brings the gospel of peace. But it does bring division. All right, in the same chapter, chapter 14, verse 6. And it shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not be, not be clear nor dark. And it shall be 
But it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. You know, even in the worst of times, there is light. The Lord shines through. As it says here, it shall be light. Even at evening time. You know, I didn't used to feel like I do now about the short days. <laughs> at 4.30, it's starting to get dark. But in the Lord, there's still light. Even... And I was reading... Uh, one somebody wrote one of those uh, morning and evening portions, and he he mentioned this verse. He says, "Even as we get close to the last of our life, there is light. There's light. There is light. The light of the Lord. All right. In this chapter, in verse eight, and it shall be in that day. Oh, look at this! That living water shall go out from Jerusalem from the church." And underline the word living. Half of them towards the former sea and half towards the hinder sea in summer and in winter shall it be. Half of them over here and half of them over there. The gospel goes out and it doesn't matter whether it's summer or winter. It is living waters. It is the gospel. It is going out. It will accomplish that whereunto it was sent. And the people shall be called trees rooted next to the river of life. In that day shall living waters go out from Jerusalem. You know that's what goes on every time the gospel is preached. Living waters go out. Wherever it is, living waters go out. That's the thing about the gospel. It is living water. There is no death in it. The death took place at the cross. There's only life in it for the for the believer. There's only life in it for, for Christ's children. And in that same chapter, in verse 9, And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day shall there be one Lord. And His name, one. There's such a unity about this one. You know, we may not understand the Trinity, but it is here. He is one. He is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All three have such a glorious activity to perform in the covenant of grace. The Father chose a people before the foundation of the world. The Son said, I will lay down my life, a ransom for these people. And the Holy Spirit confirmed it and said, I will go find them and bring them the gospel and give them the new birth. And they all rejoice in the activities of the others. And the compliment of it is, one act will be done for every one of his lost children, and they will see Christ. There will be one Lord, and there will be, his name is one. In that day, the Lord shall be king over all the earth. That's one of the wonderful things in revelation of Jesus Christ that the church is permitted to know. Now, to understand it is a different thing, but to know it, he is sovereign ruler over all. I see things go on that just don't seem right, 
but he's sovereign ruler over all. He is the one in charge of his own sovereignty. Well, he passed over that one and went to that one. Is there unrighteousness with God? Paul was used right. God forbid. God forbid. Don't ever get in that. God forbid. There is no unrighteousness. Look at the person that is making pots. Go down to the potter. Does he not have the right? And then the question comes up. But that is not right. And Paul was used of the Holy Spirit to write, Is there unrighteousness with God? No, I'm sorry I thought it. No, there is no unrighteousness with God. What he does, he does according to his will in the armies of heaven, among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say, What doest thou? Now people may say, What are you doing? But it doesn't stop him from doing what he has purposed to do. In verse 13 of this chapter, remember this is all past the feet touching Mount of Olives. The rest of this is all after that. It's all complementary of it. We don't have a change. We have the gospel going out. We have living waters going out. We have a remnant being uh, fed by the gospel. Here in chapter 14 and verse 13, it shall come to pass in that day that a great tumult from the Lord shall be among them and they shall lay hold every one on the hand of his neighbor and his hand shall rise up against the hand of his neighbor and Judah also shall fight at Jerusalem and the wealth of all the heathen round about shall be gathered together gold and silver and apparel in great abundance. What is that? No. The battle is the Lord's. The victory is the Lord's. But the gospel goes out and it is going to create havoc. It's going to create havoc. And then it tells us in verse 20 of that chapter, In that day there shall be upon the bells of the horses. You know, a horse is an unclean beast. He's a beast of burden, but he's an unclean beast. And it, it appears that what the Lord is saying here, that His holiness is going to be so complete that He's going to touch everything. In that day there shall be upon the bells of the horses holiness unto the Lord. You know, not only is it in the foreheads, as it was on Aaron, but holiness to the Lord is so much a part of the church that it is even carried out to the insignificant parts. To every part. Even to the beasts of burden. It is holiness unto the Lord. And the pots of the Lord's house. When we go over to the Old Testament and we look at the pots that were in the tabernacle or the pots that were inside of the temple, really, they're pretty immaterial compared to everything else. And yet, holiness unto the Lord. Everything redounds to the glory and holiness of the Lord. He is holy, holy, holy. And His holiness requires atonement. How can God be just and justifier? How can that? He has to be just. Sin has to be paid for. 
He cannot just say, okay, I forgive it. That's not justice. That's not just. God must be just. Sin must be paid for. But he's also the justifier as he has his son pay the price of our redemption and imputes that righteousness to us. It's all of God. And then in verse 21, Yea, every pot in Jerusalem and in Judah shall be holiness unto the Lord of hosts, and all they that sacrifice shall come and take them and see therein, and in that day there shall be no more Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts. No more false. No more Canaanite. False teaching. It's going to be pure the church will, will feast upon the pure righteousness, holiness of God Almighty in Christ Jesus. They don't look for anything else. The gospel is what they're interested in. They, we find out that it is the gospel that feeds us, but it was the gospel that also was brought to us in our lost estate. It was the gospel that turned us aside and caused us to look at this vine that would not be consumed to look drawn to look at Christ but that's the gospel that feeds us every day it is Christ and Christ alone and so the nation shall be brought all of these things shall be brought about the gospel shall be done what do we find that the Lord of hosts shall do in that day Lord of hosts almighty God He shall declare all his work of redemption to all his people in the day of the revelation, the revelation of the Lord of hosts. That day continues to go on. It is continuously going on. When that day is over, we'll be, I don't want to use the word rapture, do I? We'll be taken out. We'll be stood in a line before the Lord and he says, Welcome, thou faithful servants to the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And they shall say, when did we do what we were supposed to do? And then he'll turn to the rest and say, depart from me. And they'll say, when didn't we do all that we were supposed to do? Nothing will be held back. and All his blessings shall be for the church. This is not something future except for those who are not saved yet. Whether it's tomorrow, the next day, or a thousand years, that day will be brought to them. The church is taught of God. This is their day of revelation. Did Abel have a revelation in his day, in that day? Of course he did. Absolutely he did. By faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. What's that mean? It was acceptable. It was the acceptable sacrifice. It was a typical sacrifice. It was a picture of Christ and Him crucified. Now, now can we continue in chapter 14? We're going to keep it in that day spectrum, in that day area, in that gospel day. And when we look at the Lord Jesus Christ coming down, we are thankful He comes down. We're thankful that he comes down with his feet. He did. 
He ascended from that place. He said he'd come back to that place. What's that mean? The consummation of all that he promised to do will take place in that day. For us, it is promised as if it was taken place. What does the 8th chapter of the book of Romans say? They're glorified. Now. They're glorified right now. The saints are glorified right now. As glorified as they will ever be, the promise is made. So, let's look at this 14th chapter of the book of Zechariah as we meet from time to time and say, okay, in that day, in that gospel day, not in some future day, not in some apocalyptic day, but the day of the Lord as he has shown us. And go to the book of Isaiah, go to the book of Jeremiah and find out how often that term is used there. All right, we'll stop there for tonight.